Annenberg Media. This is the Annenberg Learner Podcast, where we aim to elevate the education profession through conversations that inspire, recognize, and encourage innovation and best practices in the field. We track the lived experience of teachers, students, and parents alongside the ecosystem that serves them. Guest speakers will share what's working and the steps we can take to reimagine and redesign teaching and learning for our most vulnerable populations. Welcome to another episode of the Annenberg Learner Podcast. This episode is part of a Teacher of the Year series where we interview innovative teachers in the field. The Teachers of the Year program recognizes excellence in teaching across the nation. The process begins at the school level with teachers being nominated or chosen by their colleagues. One is chosen to represent his or her school district and they then go on to compete at the state and national levels. Today, we welcome Ms. Michelle Stratford, Michelle Stratford teaches fifth grade at Horace Mann School in Beverly Hills Unified School District. She has worked for the district since 2005 in roles as a substitute and as an elementary school teacher. Michelle taught fourth grade for one year and she has been teaching fifth grade for 15 years. Michelle was named one of LA County's Teachers of the Year in October 2022 and was nominated for California Teacher of the Year. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, and we are really excited to learn about your work. Uh, Would you mind telling us about why you were selected for Teacher of the Year this year? Oh, gosh. Um, I was actually nominated by uh, a wonderful person at our district office, our assistant superintendent, Mr. Dustin Seaman, and he had emailed me to let me know that he was nominating me for this whole process, and it was actually a process I was super unfamiliar with. I didn't even know about you know, the teacher of the year. And so I kind of did a little research myself and why I was selected. That's been an interesting sort of thing to reflect on. You hear this nomination, it kind of makes you reflect on your entire career and the things that you have done. And so I went back and kind of thought through and Dustin gave me some help. And I think the best I can answer is that I hope I was nominated because, you know, I've done a lot. I've been with my district for a very long time and done a lot of roles kind of over and above just my teaching job, which I think helps. I kind of like to be a problem solver. I think that's a natural teacher (laughs) tendency to do, but I've worked in a variety of roles with my district office. And so I think that for him, I was someone that he could always count on and turn to and get the answers he needed for curriculum or things going on at our schools. And so I I think in reflection, I hope that's why uh, he selected me to be a part of this process this year. Can you speak to some of those other roles that you've taken on aside from classroom instruction? Sure. One of the biggest roles that I've taken on, and it's it's titled something different kind of in every district. In Beverly Hills, we call it grade level specialist. And you are the person who's kind of in charge of your grade level. You act as a liaison between the district office and your school site. And so I've actually done that job for about 12 years now. I started it very early in my career and it's just kind of something that I enjoyed because I kind of went to my team and got answers and took it back. And so we had a small cohort of grade level specialists that worked with the district to kind of solve those problems that you need a smaller tight knit group to work through instead of working with 
hundreds of teachers. Um, so I did that. I'm still in that position, actually. I have worked on several committees. I've done textbook committee adoptions and school site council at our school. I, we have something at our school called Instructional Leadership Team, which is site-based. And it's our group, small group of teachers who get together and talk about problems that need solving at the school, curriculum issues. What do we need? What do the kids need? What do the adults need? I also have been our PTA rep a number mm -hmm. of years that I've been here to work with the parent side of our school site. And then sort of on the teacher side, I have always been a part of our teachers union, but I also stepped up about six years ago to start taking on an actual role in our union. And so I've done K-5 director. So I've been kind of in charge of the issues hitting our K-5 staff. And then uh, I was our secretary of our union for the last several years as well. So kind of learning that whole side of the job, which is an entirely different side to teaching than just being in the classroom. You can subscribe to the Annenberg Learner podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That's great. That's fantastic. And it just reminds me of, you know, with more time in the field, the expansion that teachers can experience in their learning and their own careers, that's not just about the classroom, but really informs that instruction. I'm curious how those roles, if if at all, how those changed during distance learning and COVID and how that impacted your, your experience? I mean, I think like everything, it impacted it severely. I think that we were kind of thrown into this situation and I know the same words kind of get reused and are redundant, but it was something none of us ever thought we would experience and, you know, didn't know what to do. We were kind of all day by day trying to figure it out. So as grade level specialists, it was, you know, transitioning to, meeting with my team on Zoom and then going to the district office staff on Zoom and just finding that time. Um, in our district, we taught full days during the pandemic. So we were not on shortened days necessarily. We were teaching full days. So it was a lot of after hours work, which, you know, in the past it was, we would get a sub day and talk about things. And so it was a little bit more commitment during the pandemic. The union, of course, made everything harder because we were, again, dealing with how do we make this successful while keeping teachers safe and kids safe? And what decisions do we need to make and compromises do we need to come to with our district, but really keeping our staff and their health and safety and what their wants and needs were kind of high priority. And that was something that while that's always our intention as a union, now we have this whole other virus that is something that we had no idea what to do. And so it was a lot of I mean, we made some hard decisions and not everyone was happy with us. And so that was also a really hard kind of situation to deal with. And everyone has different views on what was the right thing to do. And we kind of just did the best we can during something that was so unprecedented. So it was hard. I <laughs> All about teaching was hard, but those other roles that I had to do outside of my teaching job, it was a learning experience for sure. And something that I will take. And hopefully if we ever have another virus, we do things a lot better this time around, but it was difficult for sure. That that makes me think about how districts now are prepared. And I know you can probably speak to just your your experience in your school district. Uh, but if something were, like that were to happen again, it are there plans in place now for that kind of quick decision making? Yeah, I think we have a foundation to build on. Whereas we had nothing when this happened. Nobody knew what they were doing. We were all just I mean, it was an hour by hour at some points during the year. And so I think if this were to happen again, I hope it doesn't, but I think that we now have past experience to build on. 
hopefully will not make some of the mistakes that we made because mistakes were made because we didn't know. Now that we kind of, I, you can call it a blueprint, if you will, if this were to happen again, we at least have some starting off points and we know what worked virtual learning and what certainly didn't work virtual learning on the kids' side. Um, we know for the adults, what do we need to do and come together? And I've said this word again, I'll probably use it a lot. What do we need to compromise on to make sure that everyone is being heard and decisions that were being made were benefiting everyone involved as much as possible? Thank you for sharing that. And maybe this leads to my next question about what keeps you in the profession? What excites you about your work? The kids. I, you know, I have been asked a lot of these questions lately going through the teacher of the year process. And again, it's going back that that's why teachers do this job in the first place. And I think sometimes people forget that, that we are here for the kids. That is our number one thing. So when people ask me why I still do this job, it is them. And it is a hard job. I will never, ever, ever use another word to describe it. This job is hard every single day, but you have these little beings who you never know what's going to come out of their mouth and you never know what they're going to say or do. And that is what makes the days fun, exciting, sometimes weird. And that's okay because they are who they are. And you know, I kind of think when I think of my career path, when people ask me if I ever want to go into administration, my answer is kind of always a quick no, because that takes me away from the thing I love best about this job, which is the kids. And although you're still dealing with kids as an administrator, it's an entirely different situation. So for me, the kids are what keep me here. Thank you for sharing. You know, I've heard that what's tricky about education and being a classroom teacher is the better you are, the more veteran, the more experienced, you tend to go towards an administrative path, but that might not actually be what is best for the individual or even for the students being served. So I'm curious, have you given some thought to what could change so that teachers stay in the classroom who are meant to be teaching and then the administrator is a different path? I'm not sure if I'm asking that question correctly. No, I think I understand you. I think that I read something on Twitter recently, and one of the things that they were, this person was talking about is that in teaching, there is a really big energy imbalance, mm. is that teachers are giving so much energy to the kids because that is our job, and that is what it is, but then we have so many others asking for the energy that we have left, and there's more energy being asked of us than there is that we have. Keeping teachers in teaching is... I mean, there's got to be a shift in what is expected of us in the hours that we're expected to dedicate to this job. You know, it's it's not a new story to tell that we work outside of our hours. I always tell people I teach from eight to three and then I work after three o'clock because you don't have that time during the day to do those things. And so I, and again, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do think there's so much being asked of educators and there's not actually enough time being given to them to actually accomplish a lot of those tasks. And so, I mean, again, I'm, I, I'm 18 years of my district, 16 years full time, and I wouldn't say it's getting easier. And I think that at some point when you're a veteran, things should get a little bit easier, but it's not because I feel like every time there's just more and more being asked uh, of teachers and people go into administration. I don't envy that job either. I think that that is an incredibly difficult job. I think that there's even more being asked of you and weekend events and nighttime events and all these councils that you have to sit on. And it is difficult. And I think that there's a lot of people who don't want to move into administration because as I said before, you're taking out that funny, cute little 
kid part that you get to do all day long and kind of deal with more of the paperwork and bureaucracy and um, that sort of thing. So it's hard, very hard. As part of its mission to advance excellent teaching in American schools, Annenberg Lerner funds and distributes educational video programs with coordinated online and print materials for the professional development of K-12 teachers. Many programs are also intended for students in the classroom and viewers at home with videos that exemplify excellent teaching. K-12 educators, students, and lifelong learners may access Annenberg Lerner resources for free at learner.org. Please note, rights restrictions may limit the availability of some series. For the latest information about learner programming and availability, sign up for the Annenberg Learner Newsletter at learner.org. Um, we watched your toy video, yes. and uh, you mentioned not needing to fill every minute with instruction. Hmm. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what other things you incorporate in your classroom that bring joy into that experience. Yes, that was the funny thing because no one knew what clip they were going to show. So I had no idea um, what they're going to show. I'm actually really glad they chose that one because obviously we're here to learn. Instruction is what school is about. But I think, and I will include myself in this, I think sometimes we forget that we're working with kids. Mm -hmm. They are children. They are little. They are, in our case, we have TK on our campus. They are four years old. And, you know, my kids at max have been about 12 years old. And so they need breaks. And, uh, so yes, obviously I teach most of the day, but even if it's just take five minutes and walk around and talk to your friend, stretch your body, do a little yoga in the corner. I've got these boys this year who love to dance. And so they'll just go to a corner and dance because for them, that's their energy release. And that's their way to sort of reset themselves. Socialization is also really important in school. It's not about independent learning all of the time. It's not about working alone. So letting them just have 15 minutes to talk to one another. We play a lot of games. Um, Blue Kid is a big one in our schools. And so it's just a fun game that they get to play. And um, I'm not always great at it, but it is deeply part of my daily thing to give them time to just be kids. And sometimes that's watching a funny video. That's letting them... I had a kid write a rap the other day about nothing, but he wanted to share it with the class. Of course you can, because although I have standards to teach and I have assessments to give and state testing to give, they are children. And that actually should be priority number one. That's great. The students that are in your classroom must be very lucky. I hope so. <laughs> I think so. I'm curious, why did you become a teacher? What called you to this profession? That's like the million dollar question. And I have been asked that again a lot recently. And I will tell you, it's all I've ever wanted to be. It's all I ever knew. So if you talk to my parents, they'll tell you that I came home in kindergarten and I wanted to be a teacher. And I had a fantastic kindergarten teacher, Miss um, Lathleen. I can still even tell you her name. I can remember her classroom. And um, I that was it. That was my path. I did not stray from that path. My entire K-12 education, I was in an ROP program in high school where I got to teach elementary school for two periods a day. I had a great high school that allowed me the, you know, to do that. I went to a fantastic teaching program at Long Beach State. And I went knowing what my major was. I was in a special program to get me in and out in four years and I was done. And then I worked for Beverly Hills about, I got hired like three months after I graduated from college. So I just wanted to be, I don't know. I kind of like one of the running jokes is I think I really wanted to ride on an overhead projector when I was a little kid, which then of course, like the funniest part about that is we don't have them anymore. I became a teacher and they were obsolete. And so I don't know. I always loved school. I loved my teachers. I 
I enjoyed being at school. And I think there's an inherent creativity to education, which I think that um, I also really liked as that aspect. And I don't know, I was on that path and found myself here. If we wanted to, I'm thinking about you having this fifth grade or kindergarten teacher and, and what kind of teacher you are now for your students. Mm -hmm. What is, how do we get more kids excited to be a teacher? I mean, I am the teacher I am because of the teachers I had that that's 100%. That's, I can name you my favorite teachers from every school I'm still in contact with some of my teachers that I had growing up, whether it just be social media acquaintances, or I actually see one when I'm in my hometown. Um, I try to see her every time that I'm there. And I think that, and it's funny because I think everyone has this idea that the best teachers are the fun ones. And you know, the ones that play games all the time. And while that may be true, some of my favorite teachers were the hardest teachers that I had because they pushed me. And so um, I think finding that balance of being a good management with your teaching, having that strictness, but doing it in a way that is not, you know, being detrimental to who kids are. It's a really fine line to walk that you want, of course, a structured room. You want kids that are following rules and that's part of life, but um, finding that balance of also having fun and it's okay to laugh and it's okay to be, you know, I'm a fairly sarcastic person and my kids learn that sarcasm really quick, but it's okay to joke around. And so um, I hope kids that I've had go into teaching because, and not just because of having me, but because of having, some of the fantastic teachers that I also work with, because that is the reason that I am in this profession because of who I was surrounded with growing up. The Annenberg Foundation is a family foundation that provides funding and support to nonprofit organizations in the U.S. and globally. The foundation is dedicated to addressing the critical issues of our time through innovation, community, compassion, and communication. To learn more, go to annenberg.org. Thank you. What advice would you give a new, new teacher? Day by day. Uh, <laughs> again, going, reflecting, going through this teacher of the year process, I went back to kind of my first year. I would not have survived without um, my colleagues, not only on my team, but I had a fantastic administration team at that time. And I had fantastic colleagues. I leaned on them so much that is what you have to do. To be a new teacher, you want to surround yourself with the people that you work with that you can ask questions to, get answers, ask for help. And it's okay to ask for that help. I didn't know what I was doing my first year. I was, you know, it was survival mode. I was up late looking at standards, learning how to teach all this material. But when I needed something, I had such great people to turn to um, on my team who helped me with that. So mine would be to lean on your coworkers, lean on your colleagues. That's what we're here for. I mean, you work with kids all day, so you've got to find yourself in a room with the adults and, you know, ask them for what you need. Thank you. Looking now towards the future, where do you see yourself uh, in the next three to five years? I think still teaching fifth grade. I have, you know, everyone, they'll always tell you, especially this is advice for new teachers. You'll find where you fit. You know, you, I had always said I was going to be a third grade teacher. That was my thing. And then when I started working as a substitute and I started working in other classrooms, um, I realized that there was kind of other loves that I had. And so I started teaching fifth and fifth is my place. And so I love the curriculum. I 
get to teach American history, which I think, you know, the foundations of this country and democracy. And to me, that is such a a personal love of mine. So teaching fifth grade is where I would like to remain. Um, I've been very fortunate. Um, I know how often teachers get moved in their jobs and moved in grade levels. And I have been incredibly lucky to stay in fifth grade by choice. So I think in three to five years, you'll still find me in my little fifth grade bubble and happily so. Awesome. Thank you. You know, I have heard of a lot of teacher movement and I didn't realize that it's not, it's not in in the teacher's hands often. No, um, teaching is seniority based for the most part, of course, not everywhere, but the longer you've been in a position, the little bit more seniority um, you hold. And so generally if there's a closing of a class, if you have five fifth grades and we're going to four, the kind of lowest person with the lowest seniority will be moved to a different grade level. And unfortunately it happens a lot. I have a coworker at my school who's been moved to four different grade levels in four years. So it is, um, and it's an unfortunate side to that kind of the seniority part of teaching, but everywhere does it different. I know there are some schools that don't kind of follow that. That's just sort of the precedence where I work. Um, so it, it, it's, it's hard. I think it would be hard to teach different grade level every year. And I do deeply feel for those teachers that get moved um, when they don't want to be or involuntarily. Got it. So you, you're teaching fifth grade and do you have them all day or is there any co-teaching involved? Do you teach every subject? I teach every core subject. So language arts, math, science, social studies. We are very, very fortunate. And again, I, I do realize the privilege that comes with working where I work. My kids also attend multiple specials throughout the week that I do not attend. So they have a standalone music teacher. They have a standalone art teacher. They go to Makerspace, which is about kind of engineering uh, mm-hmm. design. Um, they have also, we have a science lab class that I actually go with them too. So it is co-taught in a sense, um, science lab with them. And uh, then they have uh, standalone PE teachers as well. We also have a fantastic program that we started a few years ago and our kids are getting social emotional learning every other week. And they are also getting digital citizenship every other week um, taught right. by standalone teachers, particularly after the pandemic hit those social emotional issues that we're struggling with. And then also because they've been online, making sure that they're learning how to be productive online citizens, which has become, you know, a really important thing. So yes, they are with me all day, but they are elsewhere with other staff for a variety of things. That's great. It's great to hear that they have these additional experiences. Are the the SEL and the digital citizenship, do you foresee that being permanent because of what's happened? I hope so. I, our counselor is the one that teaches our SEL lessons. And so you know, she is a counseling professional. And so she can do things that I'm not necessarily trained to do in that area. I think you deal with social emotional issues as a teacher all day long, but it's nice to have a structured lesson about a specific topic. And, you know, for fifth grade, she does a lot of work on, you know, they're transitioning to middle school next year. And how is that going to make you feel? And what stresses you out about that? What, you know, and she's really good about hitting on topics that are really specific to the age of kids she's working with. And then our digital citizen digital citizenship teacher is um, one of our kind of tech specialists. And she does, again, how much time is too much time online? How do we, what do we do if you run into a situation that's unsafe online? And so to me, they're good life lessons in both. And so I deeply hope that that stays as something that we keep as a part of their day. Wallace Annenberg Genspace is an innovative center for older adults. The vibrant and inclusive community space helps foster creativity, connection, and well-being. For more information, visit genspace.la. 
just going to shift gears here. Okay. What are you reading, watching, or listening to lately? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I am a huge reader, but I have found myself in the middle of a very, very long uh, fantasy fiction series, which has taken me many, many weeks called Zodiac Academy. It was recommended by my best friend. Um, it's fantastic. It's a young adult kind of thing. I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo recently, which I really, really loved. I love an author named Frida McFadden. So I've kind of been eating up her book. She's a mystery thriller author. And I kind of jumped on the bandwagon of the Colleen Hoover books as well. So I've been reading a lot of hers recently. Uh, Watching. Oh, I was a big House of the Dragon fan. Uh, so I just finished that. I am patiently waiting for another season of Ted Lasso, which I hope comes sooner rather than later. I'm kind of a baking nerd. So I love Great British Baking Show and watching that. I love Yellowstone. That's coming back on very soon. Listening to, I do a lot of podcasts. I am love the true crime genre. So I do a lot of that. I love for teaching for kids, there's two podcasts that I really love that I'll sh- listen to sometimes with my class called But Why and Brains On, which are two oh. really fantastic kid-based podcasts. And they kind of answered kids submitted questions in a really humorous way. So we'll listen to that sometimes in class. I love it. We'll have to check those out. <laughs> They're great. They're fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Is there anything else you would like to share with the learner audience? Oh, gosh. Um, say thank you to teachers. Be kind to teachers. You know, I think that it's been a hard two years for everyone and it's been a flipping this job on its head and over and over and over again. And we have all been working very hard and our, our deep love is for the kids that we teach and everything that we've done. So I even try to tell the kids in my class too, it's simple. Thank you goes a really long way. So if you are in another teacher's class, just a quick thank you, but we do this job because we love the kids. And so be kind to your teaching staff. Well, thank you. I think that's a good way to end. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for commitment and your leadership at your school and school district. And we were really happy to have you and look forward to continuing to see you grow in your profession. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The Annenberg Learner Podcast joins the catalog of multimedia professional learning content to support educators teaching in more effective ways. Annenberg Learner is the education division of the Annenberg Foundation. Learner supports the foundation's mission to encourage the development of more effective ways to share ideas and knowledge. Go to learner.org or contact us at podcast at learner.org.